Let's just bow our heads for a moment in prayer, please. Touch my lips, O Lord, that the words from upon high are spoken through these lips. We want heaven to be speaking the truth through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The beginning of the Great Depression in the United States is often associated with the stock market crash of October the 29th, 1929. Actually, it started before then and went through and really the Depression hit in 1933. As I was researching on this of the Great Depression, and I was looking in history, I thought I was reading today's newspaper. It's interesting of some of the things that I found out. International trade declined sharply, as did personal income, tax revenues, prices, and profits. Cities around the world were hit hard. Construction was virtually halted in many countries. By 1930, the United States government and businesses actually spent more in the first half of the year than in the corresponding period of 1929. But consumers cut back their expenditures by 10%, and a severe drought ravaged the agricultural heartland. In early 1930, credit was ample and available at low rates, but people were reluctant to add new debt. By May of 1930, auto sales had declined, and by 1931, all other sales began to decline drastically. See what I'm talking about? People and businesses were deeply in debt. Many cut their current spending to keep up their time payments of their homes, thus lowering demand for new products, causing businesses to fail as construction and factory work orders plummeted. Bank failures snowballed as desperate bankers tried calling in loans which the borrowers did not have time or money to repay these loans. In face of bad loans and worsening future prospects, the surviving banks became even more conservative in their lending, and not everyone could get a loan or refinance their loans. And all of this caused the Great Depression of 1933. Isn't that what's happening today? And we don't want to say the word recession. The government official says, I don't want to say the word recession or depression. But history is repeating itself. People were not only economically depressed back in those days, but they were mentally depressed as well. Things felt heavy. Life was heavy on their shoulders. They didn't know where to turn, whether they were going to be able to keep their jobs, were they be able to keep their 
their homes? What would their family life be? Would they be able to support their family and feed their families? Depression was very strong in the people of that day. They began looking and searching and praying for someone or something to rescue them from their problems. We need a hero. Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster were barely out of high school in 1933 when they began to notice especially the young people so heavily depressed that they came up with a brainstorm to to introduce a long-awaited hero in the world in the form of a comic book character. The protagonist was a stoop-shouldered young Jewish man who wore round-rimmed glasses. But when he was backed into a corner, he would take charge of the bad situation to make it better. In the first adventure, he threw a wife-beater against the wall, and everyone cheered. Later, he pitched a wailing warmonger over into a strand of trees, and everyone was happy because someone was finally doing something about all the evil in the world. The young man became known as Superman. Oh, he didn't have his cape and the big S on the front of him. He wasn't able to fly or to see through things at that particular time. He, had, uh, he didn't have these superpowers or did they know that he came from another planet. He was just a young man fighting off the evils that everyone was feeling in the world. People bought the comic book because they needed a hero. And here was an imaginary hero that they all wanted to identify with. Later, when comic book sales began to decline, he took on the more of the super strength and powers as we know of Superman today. People are looking now in our day and age as we're in our economic slump, as homes are being foreclosed. We talked to one real estate agent a couple of weeks ago and they said within the next few weeks there will be over 300 foreclosures of homes, of new homes in Banning Beaumont alone. Health care is no longer affordable by the, for the common person and employers can't keep up with the inflationary health costs for its employees. Lending agencies are in trouble. Add to that the threat of terrorism and the depression rate, the mental depression rate is on the increase. You can't send your kids to college without some young man coming in with a shotgun and two other guns, handguns and another gun in the back and coming in and beginning to shoot your children as they go for a better education to try to better educate themselves so that they can get better paying jobs. Lending agencies are in trouble today. 
people are looking for a superman to rescue them. It's often called the superman syndrome of someone that's got to stand up and do something about the problems in the world. No one wants to call today a recession or a depression, but it almost looks like history is repeating itself again. Now you turn on the news, CNN, MSNBC, massive numbers of people are rallying around presidential candidates that promise change. Barack Obama is packing thousands of people into sports arenas to hear his promise of change. The same goes for supporters of Hillary Clinton, John McCain, and Mike Huckabee. The usually fighting government officials that we have in Congress and the Senate rallied around the president to sign a, a massive economic bill to give back spending money to a debt-strapped Americans in hopes that they will not save the money but spend it on material goods to stimulate the economy did the same thing back in the 1930s. People are looking for another superhero to bring prosperity and comfort and peace so that we can live in a comfortable world. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. <clears throat> Let's start with verse 13. 13, 14, and 15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers are transforming themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. People are looking for an angel of light, a superhero someone who is different than the rest of the world, someone that will come in and take charge and make changes. Listen to this taken from the Councils on Health, page 625. Men professing to have new light claiming to be reformers will have great influence over a certain class who are convinced of the heresies that exist in the present age and who are not satisfied with the spiritual condition of the churches 
with true, honest hearts, these desire to see a change for the better, a coming up to a higher standard. But Satan, ever vigilant, sets upon the track of these inquiring souls someone making high profession as a reformer comes to them as Satan came to Christ disguised as an angel of light and draws them still farther from the path of right. The time is ripe right now for Satan to start to make his move. And there will be men who will come up who have the promises of reform, who say that we can make changes and these changes will be for the best. And in reality, it will be the devil himself working that's going to draw people not into a better life, but farther away from a better life. In a book called Confrontation, in the chapter entitled Spiritism, Ellen White is quoted as saying, Riches, power, genius, eloquence, pride, and perverted reason and passion are enlisted as Satan's agents in doing his work in making the broad road attractive, strewing it with tempting flowers. The broad road leads to what? destruction but he's going to make it look tempting like this is the direction we need to go listening to the news this is being done today in the political campaign by the way after I prepared this sermon I was watching CNN yesterday <clears throat> And it was saying about John McCain. It says, here was a man who looked like he could never, ever come close to being a viable political presidential candidate. We see him now as a superman. Wow. Look at what the Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 18. First John chapter 2, beginning with verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. We're living in the last hour. We're living in the time that all the prophets have been foretelling that's going to come, the second coming of Jesus. 
We're living in a time period where the, the devil himself is angry and he's out as, as a ravaging lion to seek whom he can devour. He's out with his deceptive ways that he's been practicing for centuries. He's making things look like his way is the best way to go. He's making it look like that because we need change in the world today, that that change will come through sincere men and women who are wanting to make changes for this world when in reality he's going to work through them to come to destruction. The destruction of this world as we know it. We're living in the last hours of this earth's history. We should be concerned. We should be concerned about our friends and our family members. We should be concerned about individuals, the strangers upon the street. They're looking for this superhero, but they're not going to find it in the ones that they think that are going to make these changes. We're living in the last time when the Antichrist is about to come upon the waiting world, and they will welcome him with open arms. People are looking for a Christ, a Savior, and now the time is ripe for Satan to make his move. Ellen White states in the book Christian Temperance and Bible Hygiene, page 116, speaking of the workers of Satan, listen to this, an agent of the great deceiver will say and do anything to gain his object. It matters little whether he call himself a spiritualist, an electric physician, or a magnetic heal, healer. By, by specious pretenses, he wins the confidence of the unwary. He pretends to read the life history and to understand all the difficulties and afflictions of those who resort to him. This person is going to come up and is going to say, I understand who you are. I understand the problems that you're going through. I understand the, the heaviness that you're feeling. I understand the economic pressures on you. I understand the, the uh, problems with, with health care. It's all the promises that the government officials are standing up today and saying, I understand what you're going through. And if you elect me, if you come to me, I will make the changes because I am a super person. Listen from the book Christian Education, page 73. The greatness and power with which the Creator endowed Lucifer He has perverted, and yet with it suits His purpose He can impart to men sentiments that are enchanting. Satan can inspire his agents with thoughts that appear elevating and noble, disguising his temptations under an appearance of goodness and making men believe him to be the friend rather than the enemy of humanity. It is in this way that he has deceived and seduced the race, beguiling them with subtle temptations, bewildering them with specious, specious deceptions.
The devil's making his move. He wants the world to follow after him, thinking that they're all following in the right direction. But he's out to make war with the saints. Yesterday in India, the quiet hour is over there to conduct evangelistic meetings in India with the great Hindu population. In the past, we've done very well with thousands of people being baptized. A Hindu attorney had charges go up against two of the quiet hour workers and had them arrested yesterday. We don't know the names of it yet, but we also know that the Tuckers are over there. Bill and his wife is there and some others who are performing this evangelistic series. The rest of the team has been confined to the hotel and they cannot get out of the hotel. There's an angry mob that is surrounding them. Satan is against God's people. They need our prayers. The rest of the world is looking and saying, we need a rescuer. But instead of looking at those who are sharing with the truth, they're going to fight against those who are sharing the truth. They're going to want to come after those who promise change and they're going to try to give to them this change that they think that they need. And in all aspects, what's taking place is the devil is making his move and we're living in the last hours of this world's history. Again, I quote Ellen White from the book Maranatha, page 169. In order for the United States to form an image of the beast, the religious power must so control the civil government that the authority of the state will also be employed by the church to accomplish her own ends. The image of the beast represents that form of apostate Protestantism which will be developed when the Protestant churches shall seek the aid of the civil power for the enforcement of their dogmas. That's happening in our political campaign today. Brothers and sisters, the enemy is preparing for his last campaign against the church and to try to deceive the world. Mankind is becoming Satan's captives as they are being led to follow his suggestions and and to do his bidding. People are looking for a superhero and Satan is pretending to be that superhero that is just about to rescue the world but in reality is deceiving the world. The world is living in a Superman syndrome that are looking for answers to real problems, but they're looking in all the wrong places. The real superhero is Jesus Christ. He knows our sufferings. As a human, He suffered and was tempted by Satan just as we are. He knows how weak we are against the devil himself. He knows that we don't have the strength 
to be able to fight off this angel in any way, shape, or form. So he supplies to us the heavenly strength in the form of the Holy Spirit. He is our superhero because in Jesus there is truth, never deception. He is our superhero because He will judge the world. He knows what is best for all mankind. And the truth is what will set mankind free. But mankind does not want to listen today to truth. It wants to to punish the truth givers and wants to follow after the deceptions of Satan. The Apostle John said, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was, was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. We have a superhero who will set up his kingdom. For John tells us again, he who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. We're all hurting financially. We're all hurting somewheres physically or have family members that have physical problems. We all feel the crunch. We all see the destruction in the world today. But the one thing that we've got to do is we've got to focus our attention upon our true superhero, which is Jesus Christ. He's the one that's going to see us through. We can't focus on a government official to be elected to give us the hope. We can't focus on any other person. We have to focus on Jesus Christ. There's going to be an angel of light that's going to appear, that's going to seem like that it is Jesus. And for those of this world who are not focused solely upon Jesus himself are going to be deceived. That's all been foretold. We're in the days that it's going to happen and happen very quickly. We need to start taking time to begin to study in our homes. We need to open up our homes, invite people to come in and to say, we want to share with you the truth as it is in Jesus Christ. There are people who are searching and who want to find something, a solution for their problems, and we have it. I talked this last week with a former church member of ours who had moved to the state of Mississippi they says one of the greatest joys that we have is to open our homes on a Sabbath afternoon and we have six to twelve people that come into our homes and we sit down in our homes and we study our Bibles and we focus not on the problems of the world but on the problem solver of the world. It says there's individuals who've been depressed financially, who are hurting physically, 
who are coming and sitting in this home and they go away with hope in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we need to start doing this in our homes. We've, we've already gone through a time period where we've asked that uh, you be praying for those who used to be members in our church who are no longer active in our churches. We still need to reach out to them. We're going to talk about that in, uh, in our uh, fellowship meal as we eat together. We need to be concerned about individuals. We need to be concerned about our friends and our family because they're going to be looking for places to find this hope. We need to be praying for our institutions instead of complaining about our conferences and complaining about our workers and complaining about our schools. We need to take time to be praying for our conferences, praying for our workers and praying for our schools that our children will be given Jesus Christ that our conferences will share Jesus Christ, that our churches will begin to share Jesus Christ because He is our only superhero in this world today that's going to rescue us from Satan and give to us eternal life. Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. Let's take our hymnals. Let's turn to those encouraging words of how sweet are the tidings, 442, 442. We're going to stand and sing the first, second, and last verses, 442. First, second, and last verses.
uplift to you right now the evangelistic team of the quiet hour. The devil is angry. He doesn't want the truth to be spread in a Hindu country. The doors are closing in that country to Christianity. We pray for the power from upon high to help those individuals. But help us here at home as well too. For we are just as much as in danger here as they are in India. For the world is ripe to the, to the hearing and listening of the deceptive ways of Satan himself. Our families are ripe for the hearing of the deception. Our friends are listening to and seeking a superhero. And that superhero has to be in Jesus Christ. Let us be the crowning point of this world that is going to share the light of Jesus in this community is our prayer in His name. Amen. Amen.